Hi everyone, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So this week, we're going to do something a little different and probably a little stupid and crazy, is that I don't have a guest this week. Uh, just scheduling issues happen, so I don't have a guest. And the movie we're covering, of course, is Mother. Uh, and I'm going to talk about the movie a little bit. I don't know how long this is going to be. Uh, I don't even know how long it's going to be about Mother or it's going to be about, you know, the way we talk about movies, which is something that's been kind of plaguing me for the past couple days. And it might get a little pretentious. I'm just warning you. So if you want to skip it, it won't hurt my feelings one bit. Um, there's a timestamp on the episode, so you can go straight to Fangirl Fixation if you would rather, you know, not deal with me just talking alone. I totally get it. So, Mother is a movie that's getting really strong reactions, and who knows how long these reactions will last. I was just, I was talking to Mike about it, and he's not a fan of this movie, and I am, and we kind of talked about the idea that, you know, especially on social media, things like quote-unquote film Twitter, we get all wrapped up and all excited and all angry and all happy for, you know, 36 hours when a movie comes out, and then we don't talk about it ever again. So this may be nothing, or it may be something. But Mother is definitely getting strong reactions. So I want to talk a little bit about how I was going into this movie. So I knew going in that this was getting strong reactions, even from critics. Some people saying it's uh, it's a masterpiece, and some people flat out, I mean, on social media, which I don't really agree with coming from professional critics, screaming to the rafters, don't see it, it's garbage, it's the worst movie. There was, a, there was an article written by Rex Reed, who's a pretty well-known movie critic, that called this the worst movie of the year and possibly the worst movie of the century, which of course is bound to get you clicks, Rex, I'm sure, but seems a little ridiculous. And frankly, if this is the worst movie you've seen, I'm a little bit jealous uh, because you can you can absolutely not like it. There's a lot not to like here. It is a difficult movie. Um, and I actually totally understand people who walked out of this movie hating it. I get it. I'm not one of those people. I absolutely loved it, but I get it. But to say it's the worst movie you've ever seen seems a little ridiculous. Uh, but I walked in uh, ready to like it. I'll, I'll freely admit that. I'm a big Darren Aronofsky fan. I think even when he makes movies that I'm not fans of, he is going for something deeper, going for something larger. He is an artistic director. He will go for the dramatic overreach. If you want an example of that, go watch The Fountain, which is definitely not my favorite of his movies, but he there was something he was trying to say there. Uh, and someday maybe we'll cover that on the show and kind of talk about it, but I don't want to get, you know, mired in, in the rest of his filmography. All to say, I was really excited to see this movie. Uh, then there was a kind of added thing of, like, maybe it's a Rosemary's Baby reboot, and uh, that's the reason we covered Rosemary's Baby on the show. But it, it definitely is not that. Uh, so I'm going to talk, I don't know if I mentioned this, I can't remember, but I'm going to talk in spoilers probably, and we're going to talk in circles a little bit. So, I mean, this is a movie, uh, one of my big pet peeves about about the the discussion about movies is there seems to be, be this idea that if you saw the ending coming, the movie is a failure. Uh, and there's a lot of that going around right now. This movie does wear its themes on its sleeve. I mean, there's no... 
I don't think it's trying to trick you is what I'm saying. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, everybody's got their own way to watch movies, but if I see the ending coming, if it's still, if it still has a good, uh, if it's still a good movie and it ends well, despite the fact that I knew it was coming. And of course, these are all matters of opinion. There are many people who have said like, this isn't a good movie and I saw the ending coming, uh, and I had a problem with it and that's totally fine. I did not have a problem with it. But I did kind of see where the movie was going. Essentially, I mean, it seems to be an allegory for the destruction of Mother Earth by humans and also kind of couched in biblical religious symbolism. I mean, I think that's that's pretty fair. But it's a movie that can also be about uh, the narcissism of creators and how they leave people behind. Or it could be an allegory for marriage or traditional gender roles. I mean, there's a lot here that it really could be about. But I think the most obvious is the allegory for for our kind of the destruction of our planet. And it has a very negative attitude towards human beings. And another another thing about it is the fact that I can totally understand people who are watching this movie, especially women who are watching this movie, and find it objectionable, objectionable offensive, and even misogynistic because of the way that Jennifer Lawrence's character is treated really throughout the movie. But especially in that third act, where things really do get crazy. They really do go off the rails. This is not a calm, centered movie at all. But in a lot of ways, this movie is a challenge. I think I'm... Whether you like it or not, I mean, that doesn't really matter much to me. If you want to disagree with everything I say, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. But for me, I'm glad a movie like this exists. I can't believe a movie like this exists and was pushed pushed out as a major release. Like, this screams to, uh, for a movie to be released slowly and get, you know, decent word of mouth and buzz instead of being the big release for the weekend. So it did not make a bunch of money as far as what you would expect a large release. But the fact that a movie like this made $8 million in a weekend is insane to me. Like, I actually can't believe that that happened. But, you know, that's that's where we are. But it is, I mean, I really do think this is something original and something to be lauded. And again, I totally get if you don't like it, but that's, this is all, this is all conjecture. This is all opinion. This is all subjective. Uh, and it was a movie I really enjoyed from start to finish. It's a difficult movie to watch. It is, the movie goes places that are really uncomfortable and really kind of, to me, kind of terrifying and even disgusting. Like, there are moments where I drew back from this movie. So I absolutely get the reaction of, like, I'm disgusted by this. And, you know, I heard many stories of people walking out, which is something I don't do, but that's that's left up to the customer. You paid your money. You absolutely have the right to do that as long as you're not disturbing a bunch of other people by making comments. I would much rather have you leave the theater than stay and bitch and moan. So that's totally fine. And this is a movie that a lot has been made online about the cinema score of this movie. This movie got an F cinema score. And for those of you who don't know, the cinema score is something on the opening weekend of a movie in select locations. They will poll the audience as they're leaving the theater and have them give a grade. And most movies are A's and B's. Even something like a B minus is seen as kind of a failure. And this movie was given an F. Uh, so this tells you two things. Uh, one, it tells you that people did not get what they expected uh, based on the marketing. And it also tells you that this is a really difficult movie to stomach. Uh, and you can take that however you want. You can take that as like, well, that makes it a bad movie or that makes it a challenge, whatever. That's up to you. For me, I see it as something that it is hard. It's hard to deal with and that's okay. Uh, and I was having a really interesting discussion on Twitter the other day about the idea of what movies are for. Uh, and I think 
just sometimes people look at it in very different ways. One of my friends online was talking about this idea that she has never enjoyed a movie that she wouldn't watch again. And that's a very different way from the way I look at movies. I think I think sometimes people look at movies like, I want to go be entertained. I want to enjoy myself. And I think there's definitely a place for that. I mean, I think there's plenty of movies that are like that. But there are movies that are not necessarily meant to be quote-unquote liked. Uh, and I kind of put the put Mother in that category. Is it's It's a vicious movie. And it's not something that I walked out with a smile on my face and thought, like, I really like that. I want to see it again. You know, I put it in the same category as movies like Irreversible um, or Requiem for a Dream, another Darren Aronofsky movie that I probably will never watch again because they're really difficult to sit through because they are they show the ugliness of humanity. And in the case of this movie, it's kind of showing the ugliness of the divine and the ugliness that humans can enact based on that worship. Whether you want to look at this as, you know, the a a creator as in someone who creates or the creator, you know, he does call the the character Javier Bardem play, plays, he names him him and he's the only character if you look at the credits whose name is capitalized. So that tells you something that this is definitely biblical. There's definitely a lot of religious stuff going on. But I guess really what I'm trying to say is I'm glad that movies like this exist. You can love it or hate it. I'm not about to recommend this to everybody. This is not a movie I would say, you know, talk to my coworkers or talk to my family and be like, hey, you should really check out Mother. Uh, it's a really good movie. Even though I think that that is true. I do think it's a really good movie. But it's it's cynical. It's ugly. It's mean. And it's really challenging. Uh, and I don't I don't negate anyone's opinion who feels like it's bad or not worthy of their time. Because maybe it's not worthy of your time. That is, again, subjective. But I do know that it was really worthy of mine. And I'm really glad I went to see it. I'm glad I kind of digested this this process. Uh, what has been less fun has been digesting this process online. Uh, because this movie gets such strong reactions, there's a really weird and kind of ugly thing I noticed that we are much more comfortable talking shit. Uh, we would much rather, you know, if you go on Twitter, you'd much rather see a, a tweet storm of 25 tweets about how mother is garbage and offensive and disgusting. Uh, and all the people who like it, you see tweets like, yeah, that was really good. And I think uh, a friend of the show, Chris Maynard of Following Films, brought up a really good point, is that to say you love something is to leave yourself open for critique as well. Like, oh, you like that? Let me tell you why what you like is bad. Uh, and there's a lot of this attitude of I, I, I saw even many people talking about this idea of uh, let me talk to you about this movie, even though I walked out of it, even though I didn't finish it. Uh, to me, that seems a little disingenuous. It seems like, hey, you like this movie. Let me talk to you about it because I thought it was so bad I walked out. Like, I feel like, you know, watch the whole movie and then you can come. Then you then we can have that discussion because I love discussions about film. But I'm not interested in walking into a discussion about film with someone who is convinced that it is the worst movie they've ever seen, that it is trash. That's not, that's not going to be a productive conversation. But on the other side of things, there's also this weird, ugly attitude of people who really like the movie. There's a lot of this attitude of this movie is about this one thing, and if you don't think it is, then you're an idiot. I don't know what you were looking at. And here's the thing, though. Once a movie is out there, no one owns it anymore. Like, sure, the production company owns it technically. But as far as how it's taken in, 
Nobody gets a say. If you want to look at this movie as being about marriage, you can actually do that. There's a really excellent review written by uh, Thomas Lafley, who's an, a great, great critic, who talked about it as an allegory for marriage. And there are many people thinking it's an allegory for the way we're treating nature. There's many people that think it's an allegory for you know, power and hero worship. I mean, there's there's a lot there. Absolutely. And I also think, I mean, just boiling it down, this movie has, to me, some really great performances. I thought Michelle Pfeiffer, Jennifer Lawrence, and Javier Bardem were all excellent. I thought it's a really well-directed film. Uh, there are a lot of complaints out there about the structure of it um, and, you know, this idea that a movie has to be one thing, and I kind of recoil from that. I think some of our greatest films don't follow a three-act structure, and I don't think it necessarily has to. Um, and I really loved Mother, uh, and it's a movie that, you know, I think is going to stick with me for a while, and it's going to be difficult to think about. It's not a movie that just, I mean, I know people said it was simple and it was stupid and blah, 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 but I don't, I really don't think it is, at least not to me. It's something that that I'm going to want to think about a lot and want to think about, do I want to put myself through this again? Because it is kind of, you know, he puts the audience through the ringer. This is not a movie you can just kind of sit back and enjoy. It makes other movies of his, like The Wrestler, seem like a romantic comedy. Like, this is very rough, but I still enjoyed my time with it. Uh, so that's kind of my two cents on it. Uh, it feels a little awkward just talking to myself here because I don't have anyone to play off of. Uh, but I'd love to hear what you think, as long as it's not like you're an asshole because you like this, which I've actually heard a couple times on Twitter in the last uh, two days. So that's been really fun. Uh, and I would urge you not to attack people who like or dislike things that, that you like or dislike. I just think that's ugly and infantile and stupid. Uh, and I would much rather have an actual conversation where two people meet in the middle instead of just launching attacks at one another across the internet divide. I think that's kind of lame. All right. Um, so I think that's all I'm going to say for now. Uh, but I'm more than willing to hear your take on it. Feel free to uh, hit me up on Twitter at PCK Study. Or if you've got a longer discussion in mind, you can email me at popculturecasestudy at gmail.com. All right, so I'm off my soapbox. Uh, I really liked Mother. I don't know whether to urge you to see it or not, but you make your own decisions, and I hope you enjoy it or at least get something from it. I hope you don't hate the process. So we're going to take a break, and then we will get to some lighter fare. Uh, we will bring Britt on to to talk about movie news this week uh, for the first time and talk about the movies coming out next week. Hello, I'm Andrew. And I'm Bernadette, and we're the AB Film Review. We're a weekly film review and discussion podcast from Perth, Western Australia. We're a married couple who like to spend our Saturday evenings avoiding reality by discussing and often arguing about the latest films and some classics. And getting closer to divorce. Uh, you can find us on the Podrose Network at podrose.com, also on Twitter at AB Film Review, Facebook AB Film Review, and our website abfilmreview.com. That's a lot of ABs. That's it. All right. Hi, everyone. We're back from our break. It's time for an all-new fangirl fixation, because I can't just leave well enough alone. we got to change things up. That's what you always do. I know. All so, the time. Uh, but in this case, I think I made the right choice. Uh, so yeah. we're going to be starting this with, again, anything Britt wants to talk about, and then move into movie news, and then He's go into... Lying. It's not what I want to talk about. No, I'm saying you can, because <laughs> I ask you at the top. Is there anything you want to talk about? Uh-huh. And then I say it. Warhammer, and then oh, your eyes Lord. get sucked Yeah. So anyway, we're going to talk about whatever Britt wants to talk about, then movie news, and then the movies coming out this coming week. So, Britt, after taking last week off, anything you want to talk about? 
I got my Warhammer paints. You did get it. I know. We were just this, trying to find room for them in, in the house. So. That's not even all of them. That's uh, just to do like skin tones. It's like it's like there was like this challenge in your life where you're like, I am so geeky. And then I'm like, can I make it more? Yeah, Warhammer. We can go yep. above and beyond. Yep. It's, but I'm only doing Age of Sigmar. I'm not doing 40k or 30k. I don't know what that means. All right. That doesn't mean anything. Or Silver Tower. I don't have anything for Blight War. <laughs> These words, they're all English, and yet I have no understanding of what you're talking about. Uh-huh. So, All right. Uh, so anything else before we jump into movie news? No. Okay. So the first bit of movie news is a tiny bit dated because Disney had decided to do its own Disney streaming service quite a while ago, but they weren't going to move things like Marvel over there. I think probably because they're trying to figure out how they could, given the fact that they created some Marvel properties for Netflix, their TV shows especially. But now it looks like Star Wars and Marvel films, MCU films, will be moving from Netflix to a Disney streaming service. So, Britt, do you have any thoughts about this? Any opinions? Do you think it's a good thing? No, they ain't getting my money. (laughs) So think about it from Marvel's perspective. Do you think it's, or Disney's perspective, do you think it's a smart decision? Or do you think they should just kind of ride the Netflix wave that everybody seems to have access to? I don't know. I mean, it's a good way to suck our parents into doing that mm-hmm. um, because I don't, I don't know anybody who doesn't actually let their kids watch Disney. I'm sure they're out there. Yeah, but I think most people, I mean, that's like the go-to. Right. And right? then there's like all the Disney Channel shows that are for kids. Mm-hmm. So like, I think it's a way to squeeze parents, which kind of sucks. And then with moving Marvel stuff over, that's how they're like, grabbing all the adults mm-hmm. yep but i'm just uh i'm so tired <laughs> it just seems like a, a just a blanket statement for life yeah pretty much <laughs> but i just like i'm tired of all the different like things i have to subscribe to and sure. pay for to watch what i want to watch or to listen to what i want to listen to and i'm just <sighs> i'm gonna become a hermit with books again you guys remember books no one remembers books um, I, I started thinking about this in terms of actually this is an improvement for Disney as far as what they used to do. You remember the uh, the Disney vault? No. Where yeah, it was I like, know. this is available for four months. And after that, we're not sure if it's ever coming out again. So I like the fact that they're making these things available and they're not subject to any of Netflix's whims where they're just kind of like, we're getting rid of this now, which they seem to do a lot. No. Yeah. Netflix does cycle through things, which I've never really understood, but... I just don't want to pay for another freaking service and streaming system. Yeah, it got me thinking, like, I mean, what is Netflix? Like seven, eight dollars a month for I don't know. You pay for that, I ride on your coattails. Yeah, it's like seven, eight bucks a month, I think, for access. And 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 if you think about it just in terms of amount of stuff, like yes, Disney owns every pretty much every popular property out there right now, but there's not that much of it. When you compare it to what Netflix has, that's true. So, is this like a two or three dollars a month thing? Or oh, they're gonna. I think they're gonna charge way more than that. That's the thing. Because if they're gonna charge nine dollars a month, like I mean, it's probably ends up being cheaper to just buy the Blu-rays that you want to watch over and over again. Oh, I'm just gonna have a stack of my sad Disney movies. Yeah, sit I mean, by my Blu-ray player. And so, that's it. so for me, unless they're gonna charge less than Netflix, it's it monetarily it's a bad idea like yes disney as a brand is something that everyone is going to turn to 
But like that, that would be a really costly thing to do. And their promise of like releasing more Disney original movies is not enticing. Yeah, no, I mean, because most of those are not good. I mean, like I would say one out of every 20 that they put out, you're like, that was actually not too bad. Yeah. And the rest of them, you're like, unless, I mean, especially if you don't have kids, like it's Mm -hmm. like, this is not interesting. This is not quality. This is not good. I understand the idea of like putting a Disney original movie in front of your kids to shut them up for 90 minutes. Sure. Um, but as far as for adults who actually will look at movies in, in ways that are like, oh, this is good versus bad. Because when you're 10, pretty much every movie is good because it's a movie. I think Dave's still resentful because I made him watch Halloween Town and fell asleep. Uh, Halloween Town wasn't awful. It wasn't as bad as I feared it would be. I mean, it does have Debbie Reynolds in it. so That's amazing. That's I mean, that that helps. But yeah, so Brit is firmly against uh, Marvel moving to its own streaming service. I am okay with it as long as it's cheap. As long as it's cheaper than Netflix. If they keep it at like 3 to $4 a month, which they won't, let's be real, then I would be down for it. But otherwise, you know, like you can get a lot of these DVDs relatively cheap. Yeah. You know, instead of paying every month out the nose for this kind of product. All right. So now we're moving on to the next thing, um, which is about Hellboy. Um, uh. Of course, we are rebooting because uh, basically because the studio didn't want to give Guillermo del Toro money. Right. Um, so they didn't get a third one. Um, but we do have a, a new Hellboy. We have David Har- Harbour, who is most well known for being the sheriff on Stranger Things. So they've released uh, the first picture of David Harbour as Hellboy. So what are your thoughts of this new this new version of Hellboy? Well, I mean, it has a good look to it, obviously. Uh, there's David some... Harbour been working out, or they uh, gave him... I know, there, like... was, there was like some hate in there, like the dad bod, like either those are some amazing prosthetics or he worked the hell out, but yeah. I mean, can we stop shaming the dad bod? Yeah, I mean, I think David Harbour was hot on Stranger Things. Yeah. He can get it. So I, I mean, l- this is a very different version. Right. <laughs> uh, I like him as an actor. I mm-hmm. don't think he's going to be Ron Perlman quality. I mean, Ron Perlman was like perfect casting. Like, yeah. I, I'm I'm gonna have a hard time doing this, but I'm gonna really try not to compare those performances because Ron Perlman is Hellboy. Like, he's absolutely perfect. I know people who had issues with the original Hellboy movies because they did they did kind of change a lot by kind of keeping Hellboy in the shadows, um, whereas in the comic books it was more of like kind of this accepted thing that was going on. Like, mm-hmm. people knew about it. Where this was almost like it, it seemed more like an x-files movie with a giant red creature than it did quote-unquote hellboy but i was never really big into the comics so i didn't have that issue um so maybe this will stay closer to that and people will be happier with that i don't know i do like that they changed up his uh his right hand of god like they changed the texture on it for this one so they're Mm -hmm. at least like trying to make it a little bit their own yeah um i did have a friend that made an interesting point about it like that the the studios keep going with this very comic book hero body type Mm -hmm. but hellboy was very like um trying to tell me hellboy was a fat boy is that what you're no but he was (laughs) he was you know kind of like more like the lanky um hunched over kind of like like he's been through it yeah Yeah, and they don't and they don't really seem to do that much with this character so it'll be interesting like since they're following the essentially the same type of makeup it'll be interesting to see how they have him carry himself in this movie it makes me wonder if they do that with a character like hellboy because and this is shitty too the fact that like hellboy doesn't wear much clothing right and they don't think audiences are going to want to see that body type on screen the whole time 
you know, whereas like they want to see like the ripped superhero body, right? You know, which which is shitty, but it, it gives people confidence that that's the hero. Yeah, yeah, like especially with a character like Hellboy, which kind of teeters. Like when you look at him, you're like, is that a hero or is that a villain? I'm and gonna, I think that's the interesting thing about. I'm gonna him. go off on a tangent because it just made me think of um of uh the Dragonlance series, which I know that you didn't really read much of. Oh yeah, I read the the first book from it. It was right. really good. Yeah, yeah. So so there's um there's a separate set of books that are just about the brothers, mm-hmm. uh, and one of one of the books or I think it was another shoot off. Um, but anyways, there's a book that same world. Yeah, same world. Sure. Um, and the the very fit warrior brother winds up like being down and out for a few years, mm. and they keep talking about his body and how he doesn't look like a hero anymore oh interesting and it kind of just made me think of that too of like yeah like we have like this very particularly physique in mind when it's supposed sure. to be a warrior and a hero and somebody who saves people um and i don't think we give a lot of credit to like types like like strongman bodies yeah that yeah. like i mean that boy could crush you but it looks like he has a belly right and he does but that doesn't mean he's not strong right or can't be a hero right and sure. i and i think we don't we don't give enough face to that and i think hellboy's a perfect opportunity for that right like right, he's smoking yeah. cigars he's drinking all the time he's so he living should hard have, like, a little bit of a pooch yeah. but could still like kick some ass yeah one good thing about this movie for you and for me is that this is directed by one of our uh favorite directors of a bad movie which is Neil Marshall, who directed Doomsday. I was waiting for Dave to tell me what the uh, so, movie was. Oh, I'm, like, I'm I getting to it. Yeah. I'm getting to it. Yeah, so Doomsday, he directed. He's also directed other much better movies like The Descent, um, which has like... I think it's, inter- it's going to be interesting because he, he really has a horror aesthetic. Right. Like he doesn't shy away from the blood and gore and violence. So this is going to be a very different kind People of Hellboy movie. People have been wanting a rated R one. So. Yeah, and we might get it. All right, so the the last piece of movie news uh, we're going to talk about is uh, one of your favorites, uh, Liam Neeson, uh, star of Taken, uh, who will just be in any movie ever, apparently. Not anymore. Um, yeah, not anymore. He's retiring. It says, this article we saw in Slash Film says, he's retiring his particular set of skills and says he's done making action movies. So, um, what do you think about uh, about Liam Neeson moving on to something else? I have mixed feelings because I think he's a great actor all the way around. And I think he kind of threw himself into the action roles after the death of his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think he was being a little more reckless while he was going through the major parts of grieving. Yeah. Um, and I think I think it is smart that there's actors that'll be like, look, I'm I'm getting too old for this. It's not healthy for me. The Danny audiences Glover. Are too gonna, old for yeah. shit. Yeah. Audiences aren't going <laughs> to aren't going to be believing this as much. Um which I think is true and not true. I think there are definitely some some real older men out there mm-hmm. with a certain set of skills that are scary as fuck still. Sure. But I mean, I I am happy to see that he's going to start doing drama again and like maybe get back into some movies like God, Love I hope Actually. So. Yeah, cuz I mean, like this is this is an actor that actually has talent and the yeah. taken movies were all really fun or i think i, would, well, I haven't even seen all of them but. i would argue that the first one is a good movie too it's no, a good yeah, performance it's, it's really it's and after really that good. it's just like okay taken in uh this country and with this family member right the, this man is the worst luck in history but <laughs> yeah like i like I, I feel like the the first taken was a really good movie for him because it was drama but it mm. had like the action stuff in it too and he he can be a very intense actor and then there's other stuff that like we couldn't even get through like the gray I don't even remember even trying to watch that. Well, I, we stopped watching it because there was all the wolves in the very beginning. And oh, the dogs and the were dogs were freaking out. out. And yeah. so then we just never went back Actually to it. I actually heard that was really good, but we'll just have to 
lock the dogs in a room and watch it by ourselves because they just can't handle it. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think it's, you know, it's it's hard to judge the man for wanting to dive into his work after his wife died suddenly. Like, I can totally understand that. But, like, separating that tragedy out, like, part of me, like, looks at his career and it's a little bit sad. Because, like, he is a wonderful, wonderful actor and can do a lot of really good work. And he was just kind of picking anything he could to fill his time. Well, I'm going to blame George Lucas because I think that was the beginning of the fall. (laughs) Jeez. Just throw George Lucas under the bus for everything. Yeah, so here's hoping he gets, you know, some some real good roles and gets to like get back to being a great actor because I think he can be seen as a great actor. So here's hoping that that goes that direction. And one last thing I want to talk about, I didn't prep you on this because this just happened very recently is uh, Harry Dean Stanton, who is like the ultimate character actor, the probably the most, the thing people think of him first from, especially people outside of the world of, you know, cinephiles is he was one of the, one of the characters in alien. Um, So I've got some pictures up here, uh, on the, on the computer screen so Britt can kind of see him and realize who we're talking about since I didn't get to wrap her. I mean, like, I've seen all the posts on Facebook about him passing, but yeah, uh, it's, this still isn't helping my memory any with yeah. anything. Also, uh, in movies like Pretty in Pink, Cool Hand Luke, Repo Man, and Paris, Texas. Um, so, very sad that he has died because he's one of those actors that, to me, whenever he showed up in a movie, he's... I think sometimes... The world of film is can be a little too 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 polished, yeah. And he looks like he's lived a life, right? You know, and he always has. And he's one of those actors that brings this this grounding to a movie where you're like, oh, we're in we're in good hands now. So it's really sad that he has died, but he was 91. You know, lived a good life, been in a right. lot of movies. Seemed like he really enjoyed his time. So uh, rest in peace, Harry Dean Stanton. All right, so now we are going to move to the movies that are coming out this week. So the first movie we have is Stronger, starring Jake Gyllenhaal, uh, and it's the real-life story of a man named Jeff Bowman, who uh, uh, who was injured during the Boston Marathon bombing. It's about his recovery, as I think he, he ends up with prosthetic limbs, uh, and his recovery kind of back to his life. So what did you think about the trailer for Stronger? I hate everything about this. Okay. Let's first, start, we're going to start, first thing we're gonna start with, the, with the movie first. We'll, we'll, we'll ramp up to it. I don't know, like, I, the, I, this is a movie that I am supposed to care about. Sure. And the trailer did not make me care. Mm. Like, it just felt okay. like he was a jackass, even though, like, they tried to give him, like, a couple of, like, little <laughs> moments, moments of being human, sure. but it just, I, I didn't feel it. Mm. Um, so I didn't really have any sympathy from the character, for the character, and you should be building on that to start off with in the trailer. Yeah, you have to care about him. Yeah. You have so, to care about the man he was before you care about the man he's going right, to become. Right, because, sure. because they were basically like, well, he was a screw-up, and then he tried mm. to do like this one thing, and then he winds up being a bigger jerk to her because <laughs> now he's dealing with all this emotional trauma. Um, so it's like I was like, oh, well, I don't, I don't care then. Like, right. Mm. Um, okay. My other really, really big issue is, once again, we have an able movie like it's another ableism where a actor who has all of his body parts has never actually experienced this is playing somebody with a disability and i'm mm-hmm. fucking sick of it there's another movie coming out yeah the with, one with uh what's his name who played spider-man yeah uh yeah whatever i know, I know what you're talking about yeah um andrew garfield yeah yeah so like there's two movies that are coming out soon it's where- oscar season <sighs> You can always tell when Oscar season rolls around because you always have the triumph of the human spirit stories coming out. 
I'm just, yeah. I'm so sick of Hollywood. You know, I, I was thinking about this and talking to people online who are disabled and, you know, my, my immediate response to movies like this and the movie with Andrew Garfield is like, oh, I guess I can kind of understand it because you have to start the story when he has his legs. But like with the advent of CGI, like we can make alien if creatures. We can, if we can why... CGI his legs off. Right, right. Why can't we CGI them on and have him walking around? And yeah. Or, or hey, directors, get clever with your freaking framing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I just... There's there's only one reason to see this movie to me is I think Jake Gyllenhaal is one of our best actors. I think he's tremendous. Yeah, I think he's a really but, good actor. But, but I saw the trailer. I saw the trailer and I was kind of like, ugh. I mean, I feel like I've seen this movie before. Right. Like, there's been just, so many. Like, I mean, I don't know. I yeah. can't anymore. Yeah. Can't. It's just it's rough. Uh, and it might be good. Who knows? But the trailer certainly didn't sell me either. All right. So the next movie coming out is a. Uh, coming-of-age comedy called Brad Status, uh, which stars Ben Stiller, uh, and it's about him taking his son to tour colleges and him kind of dealing with, with his old friends and, you know, his, you know, self-perceived lack of success. Um, so what did you think of this trailer? Yeah, so it's another one of those, like, uh, I feel like I've seen this movie before already, and I'm just, I'm really always tired about it being about a male fragile ego. mm like why don't why don't we talk about the mom who like gave up her college career in order to raise her kid and mm. then seeing all of these successful women sure that sure. she used to be friends with like why don't we have that movie why does it always have to be about men yeah there are there are a lot of stories about fathers and sons like this and is especially not... like around college yeah yeah i i saw this trailer and i was like mildly entertained by it it's getting like decent kind of early buzz and early reviews for uh, for Ben Stiller's performance. Ben Stiller's a really tough sell for me, honestly. Yeah, I just, I, there's sometimes where I find him funny and there's other times where I just want to bash his head against the coffee table. And my issue with this is I usually have more trouble with Ben Stiller playing the normal guy, the everyman. Mm. I more appreciate him in movies like Zoolander. like Zoolander and Dodgeball, where he's, I think he's really good at these over-the-top comedic characters mm-hmm. that are like funny but uncomfortable. Right. In in their presentation. Whereas this, I mean, it, it seems like he's doing a good job. And it's, I think it's going to be interesting to kind of, it's, I think it's going to be more about his journey than his son's and oh, figuring yeah. out what he wants to do and what he wants he's to gonna be. He's going to have a big epiphany from learning from his son about what real life actually is. Oh, yeah. Is. I mean, and that's, and I, just, I mean, even that's in the trailer. Right. Exactly. But that's what I'm saying. Like, I've seen this and I'm just, I'm... And I'm another, tired of the masculine narrative. Yeah, and another thing I didn't like in the trailer is that there's a scene with Ben Stiller breaking down crying, and it's played for laughs. Yeah, and it's just one more example of like men can't cry. But that's what I'm saying. Like this is funny. this is like toxic max masculinity at its finest. Yeah. So I feel like this has a chance to be good, but it's got for me as a viewer, it's got an uphill climb to get there. If that makes sense. I'm not even really worried about ever watching it. <laughs> okay. All right. So our third movie coming out is Battle of the Sexes, which is about the true story of the 1973 tennis match between Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. So it was, you know, one of the best male tennis players in the world versus one of the best female tennis players in the world. And the two characters, of course, are played by Emma Stone and Steve Carell. So this is a really good cast. I mean, Chris Parnell, Alan Cumming, Elizabeth Shue, Bill Pullman, and and of course the aforementioned stars of the of the film. So, what did you think of the of the trailer here? Did this sell you on uh, on the feminist story of Billie Jean King? Um. So I'm, I I felt like even the trailer was slanted more towards him. 
Oh, I didn't get that. I mean, he is... I he's the salesman, so it makes sense that he would have the moments like that. But the thing is, is like that trailer did not tell me that this story is supposed to be mostly about her. Well, I don't think it is mostly supposed to be about her. It's supposed to be about both of them, but it is, I think, supposed to be empowering. Hmm. And it sounds like you didn't get that. No. Hmm. So you feel like if it was slanted more that way, you'd be more likely to see it? Would it be more interesting to you? Maybe. Because, like, right now, like, the the trailer just was like, oh, well, I'm going to use my hairy lesbian friend. Like, that's, mm. I mean, that's even, like, part of one of his lines. Yeah, but I think the only, I think they show it in the trailer, the only reason she agrees to it is that he starts saying horrible things about women and she wants to prove him wrong. No, 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 right? yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm just saying, like, it, it feels like the focus was more on, on him than her. And um, sure. if it's supposed to be something that's supposed to be about both of them, I guess I would have wanted a little... You wanted more of her. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I think the the challenge of a movie like this is that it's interesting. It's a little bit of a gender flip where she, in a lot of ways, is the strong, silent character. Mm-hmm. And he's the one who's always yapping. Um, and her... You're trying to say that women are usually the ones that are always yapping? That's usually the way they're portrayed. I mean, it's fair. I mean, you don't see a lot of strong, silent female roles. Like, that's a kind of male Western archetype more right. than anything else, right? So, uh, but do you feel like it's going to be a good movie? I don't know. I, I think I'm kind of burnt out on some of these movies. Like um, the true-to-life stories? Yeah, or? the biopics. I'm kind of, like, over them mm-hmm. right now. Unless they're, they're like way into the to the period movie well yeah that will that will always be your thing yeah I yes know. yeah so <laughs> i think I'm, i always struggle with like the like the 1970s and stuff like that sure i think i'm a little more interested in this because it's it is a biopic but it's about one event as a right. as opposed to like here's the whole story of this person's life and... it would be interesting to see how they handle the sexism in this movie because that is part of the reason why i usually have a hard time with watching these older like older yeah. movies or biopics is because and that will come up because they use it as an excuse to, to just have get this, in their jokes yeah you know? like all these awful things towards that's always a really tough balance right is if you're trying to portray the time period in the right way right but you don't want to be just like taking advantage of and relishing in the opportunity to make these sexist jokes it should yeah. be to make a point right so hopefully this will be to make a point i think it's it's been interesting watching like people's reactions to emma stone mm-hmm. over the last couple of years because she's you know she you know won the oscar and got all this great publicity for la la land last year and it feels like public opinion is turning on her a little oh, bit yeah. so it'll be interesting to see like if she gets nominated again which it kind of looks like that's the direction it's going how people are going to react to her and it's interesting we have women like meryl streep who everyone is totally fine with getting well, nominated the same thing every happened year with anne hathaway yeah oh she yeah got, she got nominated and got her oscar and everybody turned on her but it's interesting i feel like people were turning on her already whereas this was just like emma stone got too popular and so now to, we have to hate her. Is that way we're not popular? Yeah, I guess. Um, it feels like the only person who gets away with getting nominated every year and knowing about an eyelash is Meryl Streep because she's Meryl fucking Streep. So she probably slit your throat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she, but she, she kind of slides under the radar in that way, which is interesting for a woman who's been nominated like seventeen times or whatever it is. Whereas like now. And, and I think some of it has to do with representation. There's a lot of really talented actors of color who aren't getting nominated for things. Yeah. And when people get re-nominated year after year, you're like, um, really? Yeah. Is this all we got? Yeah. So I kind of understand that. But I feel like she's, I mean, she's been steadily 
putting in really good to great performances year after year after year. Like, say what you will about a movie like Birdman, but she was really good in it, mm-hmm. you know? So I, I feel like it's a little bit unfair that she's kind of, it feels like she's getting thrown under the bus a little bit. But I just, I mean, I guess I just hope for a good movie. And I think this is actually the perfect kind of role for Steve Carell, where it's like a little bit of a little bit of drama and a little bit of comedy. Yeah. And he gets to kind of play both sides of that. Like the the opening scene in the trailer with him going to the Gamblers Anonymous meeting, I think it's laugh out loud funny. Like I would really enjoyed that that sequence. And you you understand that he's charming and that he's an asshole. Yeah. In like fifteen seconds. Yeah. And that's that's just good filmmaking. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that. But the movie we are going to cover is Kingsman the Golden Circle. Yeah. So I knew Britt would be excited about this. So really quickly, what did you think of the first Kingsman and what are you looking forward to, if anything, from Kingsman the Golden Circle? So I really enjoyed the first Kingsman, all except for one part, uh, which actually set Dave off way worse than oh, I yeah. did. Oh, yeah. Dave, like I was like, I turned on the movie. Oh my like, god! Like instantly, hard like, left. Fuck like, this shit. <laughs> yeah, he was like instantly enraged in the theater, and I'm like, dude, like, yeah, that that was uh, like not okay. That was uncalled for. But you need to calm down. Nope. It's one of the times where like I say that Dave is more of a feminist than I am. <laughs> but yeah, so I really enjoyed the first movie. Remember, guys, anal sex is funny. Ha ha. Okay. Anyway, go right, ahead. Right, <laughs> and the only way that a woman can show her appreciation is with her body. Yep. Fuck me to freedom. That's, yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so obviously, like that's a problem for for Dave and I in that first movie. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed it um, because I felt like it was it's it's a serious spy movie, but also tongue in cheek, which is really interesting kind yeah. of play. There's some satire um, in there for sure. I'm upset that the trailer shows that. Colin Firth's character already Such survived. Such a bad decision. Like, why? Why should everyone that was going to see it already? You don't need yeah. that as a selling point. Like, ugh. Um, I'm excited that there's a there's a U.S. version. Yeah, uh, one, and uh, I, I'm sure they're going to ham it up with the, oh, yeah. the American stereotypes. So that will that will make me die with yep. laughter. Yep. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to it because, like, as you mentioned, that was a big problem for me in the first movie. But up until that moment of the movie. I was hyped. Like, I was like, this is great. This is, I mean, I was watching it thinking, like, this is the best movie I've seen this year until that moment. And then you have another moment later in the film where you essentially, you know, bring bring your your female protagonist down to just being a damsel in distress for a main character to save. So, like, the first 85% of that movie, I'm, like, totally in. And then the last 15%, I was like, oh, that's too bad. Yeah. We went that route. But I think you're right. I think I think this should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it. Um I'm I am looking forward to the kind of American side. I my only worry is that like this movie is just so stacked with stars. Mm. Like Halle Berry is in it, Julianne Moore is in it. I mean That's the only was, person I'm I'm Jeremy like, Renner. I'm not looking uh, forward to Halle Berry being in it. I, yeah, but I don't like her anymore. She's had such a weird career. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, it's very strange. But yeah, I am looking forward to kind of the cultural difference between the UK Kingsman and whatever. I can't remember what they're calling the the American version of the Kingsman. Yeah, I don't but, remember either. It wasn't Marshall's, I don't yeah, think. Yeah, but it was something American, yeah. you know, like. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. And, you know, say what you will about Matthew Vaughn. Oh, Countryman. I think the Countryman, what... yes. Say what you will about Matthew Vaughn as a director. I do think he has a tendency to get a little vicious a little mean with some of his characterizations, mm-hmm. but that man knows how to shoot action. Yeah. And this is going to be a fun time in the theater. So that's really all I'm looking for is a movie that I can go see and have a good time. And, and I think this will, this and if will you're have gonna that. do an anal joke, let it be a Brokeback Mountain one. 
Exactly. I totally agree. Heartily. <laughs> um, so do you feel like I made the right choice with the movie we're covering this week? Yes. Yes? All right. Except well. I don't know when I'm going to be able to see it because this is going to be when you're not home. Yep. You're but a jerk. At least it gets the Brit seal of approval. All right. So the next time you hear me to pair with Kingsman the Golden Circle, we are taking a look at one of Matthew Bond's earlier films, Stardust. So until then, I will be here diagnosing your favorites and judging you for what Mother! Tell your children not to walk my way Tell your children not to hear my words What they mean, what they say Mother, 